you know, we've been in a series uh, the last few weeks on guardrails. And if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 30, 15. Then we're going to book in the book of James. Then we're going to be in the Old Testament a bit. But we're going to start in Deuteronomy 30, 15. That is if Teresa got it right this week. Yes, it looks like she did. <clears throat> is she in here this morning? Well, somebody make sure you just tell her I said that, okay? <clears throat> yeah, we've been talking about guardrails. And as I've, I've said every week, you know, guardrails are a safety device in the natural realm to keep us from going to where we really don't want to go anyway. You know, nobody wants to go past a guardrail down into a valley of water or off a cliff or what, oncoming traffic, whatever the case may be. You know, nobody in their right mind wants to go places beyond a guardrail. And although we all agree that guardrails are really important in the natural, they're even more important in our personal lives and in the spirit realm. Now, that, that's where a lot of people don't agree with that. And I mentioned, I think it was last week, you know, you won't learn these guardrails at school and your friends probably won't tell you about these guardrails. You know, they, they are up to, up to us to place these guardrails in a place that keeps us in the will of God and out of trouble, right? Right, and so we need these guardrails to keep us on track to where we wanna be. And today's guardrail is guiding words. Everybody say that with me, guiding words. You know, the scripture says so many things, so much about the words that come out of our mouth. That's what I wanna talk about uh, today. And uh, you know, Guiding words, my parents used to watch a soap opera, The Guiding Light. Can anybody heard of that, The Guiding Light? Anybody heard of that? We have some excerpts from that we're going to show. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> that show's probably been off the air 20 years, I imagine. But. So anyway, it was a soap opera. But anyway, uh, but there are words that come out of our mouth they guide the direction of our life. And they can guide our lives in a good direction, and they can guide our life in a bad, a life in a bad direction also. And our words can either be positive and filled with faith, or they can be negative and filled with doubt and unbelief. Now, guess which one God wants you to speak? He wants us to speak words that agree with his word, right? Because that's what, that's what faith is, is, is when we agree with God and we agree with his words in spite of what we see with our natural eyes, right? That's what faith is. Faith is saying, God, I believe you. I believe your word in spite of what I see. And I'm going to stand with your word in spite of what I see. And I'm going to seek you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to read your word and meditate upon your word in spite of what I see. That's what, that's what faith is. Simple as that. It is not closing our eyes, walking around blindly, 
as so much of the world would have us believe, that we have no basis, no foundation, because faith has a foundation. Faith has a basis to stand upon, right? That's right. I talked to a man yesterday, and I asked him about, I've been wanting to talk to him about eternity for a long time, so, and I wasn't sure how to open the door. You know, a lot of times that's the hardest part, right? Just opening the door when you're talking to somebody. So I finally, I finally got this great idea, and I just asked him, how do you, what, do you feel, what do you think about eternity? And did that open the door? And it did. It opened the door very well. And uh, so he was able to tell me all about church people and this and this and this and this. But you know what? He never said one, one thing about God. And once again, that's why when we come to church, we worship God and not the pastor or not the praise team. We worship God because he is the one Amen. that we come to worship. Amen. Amen. So all of us, we want to go in a direction that's positive, right? Is there anybody here that wants to take their life to the bottom? No, no. I tell you, I've prayed many, many times that some people would, would, would get to their bottom because a lot of times until they get to their bottom, they can never start back up, you know? So sometimes we just need to pray, Lord, and I've prayed this for years, Lord, how can I help them find their bottom? You know, because sometimes you know, losing everything they got, and they're still not to the bottom. So how, what do I say? What do I show them? What do I, what do I do to help them realize that they're at the bottom? I don't know why I shared all that. But not, nobody wants to go that direction. We want to go up. We should all want to go up and bring God's glory and his mercy into our lives. So, so I ask you, is there anybody here that wants to go in a bad direction in their life? No, of course not. Some of you might say that's a, you know, that's a dumb question you might even say. But you know what? If, if we speak foolish words, and if we speak words that go against God's will and his word, that's exactly what we're doing. If we do that, we will walk below what God has for us. You know, now some, some might say, well, why would God let us do that? In fact, that was one of the questions that this man I talked to yesterday. He said, well, well, why does God let all this happen? And some of you think, well, I'm a child of God now. Why would God let me go down? Well, see, love, it gives a choice. Is there any man or woman here has bars on your, on your house to keep your spouse in? No, I don't think. Is there? <laughs> no. <laughs> we got one over here. <laughs> uh, of course not, because love is a choice. We choose to love God. We choose to follow him. We choose to show that in praise and worship and tithe and offering and being obedient to him. That's how we choose. The same way with our children. We want our children to choose to love us. We don't want to scold them and tell them, you're going to love me. Although sometimes it'd be easier if we did that to our children. You know, uh, there's an old quote from Mark Twain about raising teenagers. He says, when, when children turn 12, we should put them in a barrel and feed them through the hole. <laughs> and when they turn 16, you plug the hole. <laughs> Uh, 
Now, I guess I need to read up and see what he says to do when they're 17, because I, I don't know that. I haven't read that. But anyway, that's not me. That's Mark, that's Mark Twain. So. So, we, so we know that love is a choice, and God wants us to choose to go and speak and move his direction. He wants us to follow him. In Deuteronomy 30, 15, it says, now listen. Now, this is a New Living Translation. There's other translations worded differently, but you know this is really important. When, when the inspired by the Holy Spirit, it says, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Choose, choose. You know what? I think this is still true today. I think that we have to choose. We do choose every day which we're going to have, whether we're going to follow God or where we're not. So we have to choose, and, and that choice is to live by faith and follow and obey God or to choose and go the direction that we want to go, how we feel, how our friends feel, how our work makes us feel, the attitudes that come out of us, we have to choose that. Now, the Scripture is very plain that God's Word and His will will last forever, eternity. And everything that we see is temporal. It won't last very long. And what God wants us to do, He wants us to agree with Him with our actions and with our words. Not by following our own desires and not by putting out words of what I think of it. See, I, I hear this from time to time, and, and, and I, I just, I hate it because it's so true. And that is people talk down about themselves. Because, see, that is not at all how God sees us. If even if you feel like you are a failure, let me tell you what, you're wrong. Because if you are a born-again child of God, the Bible says that you are a child of promise. And then in Deuteronomy, it says, now you choose. Life, death, prosperity, turmoil, you choose. But the truth is, you are a child of promise. That's the truth. Now, so here's the question. So now every day, am I going to choose the promise that comes from God's Word and walk in them and talk about them and speak about them? Or am I go by how I feel the emotions that run through my body? You know, James 3, 5 gives, us, gives a great example on this. And I'm, I'm, let me read that. Let me read that to you real quick. I'm going to read verse 5 first. This is James 3, 5. I'm going to read verse 5, and then I'm going to go back to 3 and 4, okay? Verse 5 says, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Okay, that's verse 5. Talking about the tongue. It's a small part, but it boasts great things. Now, I'm going to go back to verse 3. Now, if we put a bit in a horse's mouth so that they will obey us, and we direct their entire body just with a bit in a horse's mouth. 
You know, now horses, they can go from 1,000 pounds and I guess even 2,500 pounds and maybe even bigger than that, some of them Clydesdales. I know some of them draft horses where they're like 2,500 pounds or something like that. They are monsters. But yet, with a two-pound bit, or maybe even a one-pound bit, you can guide that horse. Verse 4, it says, look at a ship. As, although, although they are great and are driven by strong winds, but they are still directed by a small rudder. A huge ship. And there's one little part on that ship that guides it. And then, verse 5, I'm going to read it again. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts great things. We're going to look here in the Old Testament here at a couple examples of this. So here we are. It don't matter if we go to the gym every day of the week. If we don't control our tongue and speak good things and blessings instead of the things of this world, we will never walk in the things that God has for us. Do you believe that this morning? It's really simple what we should speak. We should speak God's word. We should speak his word back to him. That's why it's so important. That's why Pastor Mark said for years, if you can't do anything else, read two chapters of the word of God a day. Two chapters a day. And he would always add, if you've got time for the Wayne County mess, you've got time for two chapters in the word of God. Let me bring that forward 10 years. If you've got time for Facebook, you've got time. I don't see no, no apples or no oranges or no rotten tomatoes thrown at me. If you've got time for, for those things, we have time. We have to make time for two chapters of the Word of God every day. And if we don't, we will not be choosing between life and death. We're just going to, the world will just take us where it wants us. But if we'll put that word inside of us, that word will start to come out. And when that word comes out and we find out who we are and what God has done for us and the promises that he has given us, our life starts to change. Amen. Amen. In Numbers 13, remember we're talking about guiding words. And if and faith does have a voice, and it speaks God's word in spite of her circumstances. Now we're going to look at this in uh, in Numbers thirteen, and this is where Moses is sending out uh, spies. He sends out twelve spies to spy out the promised land. Twelve individuals, twelve separate individuals. To spy out the land. Now, let, let me, I'm going to read, a, I'm not going to read all of this, but I'm going to read the first one here to you. And I'll just start in verse 1. It said, the Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land which I am giving to the Israelites. I'm going to read that one more time. The Lord said to Moses, send out Men to explore the land, the land which I am giving to the Israelites. So let me tell you right off the bat, this was not an expedition 
to find out whether they could conquer that land or not. This was an expedition to find out what is there for when we go there and take it. Let me read it again. The Lord said to Moses, send out the expiration to the land that I am giving to the Israelites. So here's, here's, the, here's the situation. So these 12 men went into to Canaan, the promised land, to check it out. And when those men came back, 10 out of the 12 brought back a bad report. Now, do, do, the reason it was a bad report, very simply, 10 out of the 12 said, there are giants over there. We can't go there. There's 10 out of the 12 said, we can't go there. It's full. There's no place to live. They said the cities are big and they've got walls around them. There's no place for us. It's full. That's what 10, let me put it this way. That's what the majority said. You know, sometimes you, whenever you're going with a majority, you really need to double check. Because sometimes the majority is wrong when it comes to the things of God. Okay? So 10 of the 12 come back, and they, they, said, they said, no, 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 we can't do it. It's full. There's giants. The cities are strong. They're built. They're fortified. We can't, we can't go there. We can't. We'll get defeated. It says there's giants in the land, and, and, and these 10, they felt like grasshoppers. But there was two. Joshua and Caleb, it says that they calmed the crowd, and they said, by all means, can we go up and conquer the land? And then it goes on to say, because the Lord is with us. And then it goes on to say that the ten brought back a bad report. The reason it was a bad report, because God had already spoken. He had already given them in God's mind and backed by all of God's power and all of God's strength, that land was going to be theirs. It didn't matter if only one person would have agreed with God, it would have came to pass. You don't have to have a majority with you if God sends you somewhere or speaks something to you to do something. You don't have to have a majority. In fact, a lot of times that's the worst thing you can ever do is for God to speak to you to do something, then go ask 10 people what they think. Don't ever do that. <laughs> oh, I don't think you can do that. Oh, I wouldn't do that. That messed me up for two or three years in my ministry. Don't do that. When you get the word from God, that's really all you need. Amen. Amen. So it's important for us to see here that Joshua and Caleb, it was only two out of the 12, but they chose to believe God. And the other 10 did not. And Moses writes that the 10 brought back a bad report. And now, now, now notice this. It wasn't a bad report because it wasn't true. Because guess what? It was true. The land of Canaan was already occupied. The land of Canaan already had big cities built around it. It was, it was, all, it was just like the ten said it was. But here's the thing. What the ten seen and what the ten said was not what God had spoken. 
So the two that agreed with God, they received the blessing. They went on, and, and you continue to hear about Joshua and Caleb for chapter after chapter after chapter. And you know what? We never hear one thing about the other ten. Why? Because they wouldn't speak with their mouth and follow along with, with their mouth, and they wouldn't guide themselves to line up with the Word of God. They chose to go by what they see. I wrote this down this morning as I, as I was praying this morning. <clears throat> we should never allow the actions of man to alter our trust in God. I'll say it again. We should never allow the actions of man to alter our trust in God. It's true. It's true. Let's look at another, another example. You know, Joshua, he was, he was wise. And he learned from this situation. He learned that he went with 12 and you can just imagine the argument they got into on the way home. Because the 12 of them went, and, and on the way back, 10 of them was in complete disagreement, and two of them was all about it, saying, let's go. God is with us. We can do this. So you can just imagine the argument on the way back. Yeah, oh, yeah. It might have been one of the first church arguments. I don't know. But Joshua learned from this, <clears throat> and when we can see that in the example in Joshua 6. It tells us a story about Jericho, and Joshua was, was leading the army, and, <clears throat> and God told Joshua that this, the city of Jericho is a walled city, and it was so big that they had chariot races around on the wall, the walls of the city that was built so big they had chariot races there. How many of you know that's a strong wall? Amen. That's a strong wall. So anyway, so God told, told Joshua to go and conquer this city. And of course, I am sure that many people with him was probably in doubt when they seen the walls and somehow they had to get past them walls. And I'm going to read this Joshua 6 to you. And this is the Lord speaking to him. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings, and all of its strong warriors. Now, let me tell you, from that moment on, Joshua said, let's go. And that's the way we should be, too. When you read something in the Word of God, and it's talking to you, if it's in the epistles, that's talking to, that's talking to the church. If you get something from the Word of God and it's speaking to you, that's all you need to know. You need to say, let's go. That's right. That's who I am. That's what I am. That's what God thinks of me. That's what I can do. So God, or yeah, God tells uh, Joshua that Jericho is his. Now I'm going to drop down to verse 10. Now, now, now notice this. Check this out. Joshua said... And he's talking to all, all of his soldiers. He says, don't shout. Don't even talk. <laughs> he, he tells them. Joshua commanded, and he says, not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think he didn't want them to say nothing? 
walking around that, walking around that walled city time after time. You can just imagine what they're saying. That wall's never coming down. There's no way in the world we can get up that wall. And even if we do, there aren't, there's soldiers in there that's going to kill us. Can you imagine what people would have been saying? Can you imagine in the gossip mill, in the rumor mill of all of those people walking around this wall time and time and time again, if Joshua would have allowed them to talk and express their doubt and unbelief? Can you imagine the doubt and unbelief that would have been spread through all of them? You know what, if, if he would have allowed that to happen, you know what would have happened? By the seventh day, they'd said, yeah, we might as well go home. Let's go home. <laughs> that, 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 that's, what, that's what they would have, that's what they had thought. But Joshua learned from the first situation, and he didn't want to hear their doubt and unbelief. Because he had already heard that God said, this city, the kings, and all the warriors, it's all yours. But now you've got to go get it. I'm not going to bring it to you. You can't sit at home, and I'm not going to knock them walls down. No, you've got to get up, and you've got to go, and you've got to take charge, and you've got to walk in what I've given you. Amen. Amen. It's true. It's true. I'm going to read a few more scriptures to you. Talking about the power that's in our words. Proverbs 6 says that we are snared by our words. The words that we speak that go against God's word, we are snared by them. There's trappers in here, I know. You just know what a snare is, don't you? You know, an animal walks along or even a human being walks along, they step in a snare and it grabs you by the leg and it pulls you straight up. Completely by surprise. And the scripture says that we're snared by our words. I don't want to be snared by my words. I mean, the devil might get a few things over on us and, you know, uh, and we don't like that. But I sure don't want to help the devil out with my words. No. Proverbs 18, 21, classic scripture, it says that our tongue can bring life and death. It can bring either one. And you, we can see that in our, in our children. You can take a child and, and you can tell them that you love them and you can hug them and kiss them and uh, encourage them. And, you know, uh, Kelsey, I used to tell her all the time, she'd say, well, I can't do it. Of course, this was when she was a little bitty. She'd say, I can't do it. I said, no, it's not that you can't do it. You just haven't learned how yet. You just need to learn how. It's not to think she couldn't do it. She just didn't know how yet. But we can build them up and encourage them and, and you know, and, and, uh, and speak good things into them. Or we can stand back and yell at them and tell them how Andre they are and, and uh, they're just like their dad or they're just like their mom or they're just like their grandpa and we can tear them down. And you know what? If you ever want to see a place where life and death is in the power of the tongue, you just look at two, two different examples of children that have been taught that way. You'll see life and you'll see death or a disaster waiting to happen. You can see the one. So our words, our guiding words of our life, that they're so important. We'll give you a few scriptures why, another more reasons why it's so important that we speak God's word. First Peter 1, 
it says the word of the Lord abides forever. That's a good reason. Speaking eternal things into our lives, eternal things into our children, eternal things into our marriage. Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, The word shall last forever. 1 John 1, 5, it says, The word is life. How many of you have dead situations that you need life spoken into? We, most of us do. Philippians 2.16, it also says that the word of God is life. Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is living and active when we put it inside of us. It's living and active. There's one translation that says it's living and active and always doing. It's always making adjustments inside of us. And when we put that word inside of us and when we speak it out, that is the most powerful thing. You know, that's, what, that, that, that's how, you, how we confirm our salvation in Christ, right? That's how we become going from a child of wrath to a, to a child of God. The Bible says, Romans 10, it says to believe with your heart, and then we're supposed to speak with our mouths. So we go from being the Bible, what the Scripture says in Ephesians, it goes from being a child of wrath to being a child of God by believing in our heart, and then we got to speak that with our mouth. We can't leave that part out. Guiding words, words that guide our lives, words that, that guide us in the direction that we want to go. 1 Timothy 2.15, uh, it says the word is truth. See, that's why, that, that's why the other 10, referring to Joshua and Caleb, the other 10 brought back a bad report. Because the moment God said that he was going to give it to the Israelites, it was true. And when they come back and said, no, we can't do it, it they was wrong. Because God had already established the truth line. Does that make sense? He had already established that. It was true, whether they walked in it or not, it was true. And see, that's why there's so many promises in the Word of God that are true, whether we walk in them or not. We'll never walk in them without putting the Word of God inside of us and then speaking it out. First Thessalonians says the Word is working in us believers. And I just love it when the Word of God works in us, works in us. Stand with me, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we do worship you and we praise you. Father, we just thank you for the words that you've given us today. We thank you for your word, your written word that leads us and guides us. These words that guide our lives and guide our relationships and guide our attitudes and our thoughts. Thank you, Father, for all of these words that help guide our lives. Thank you for that, Father. Father, I just pray, Father, and thank you, Father, that every, for every mind here that they can walk in these truths and they can live in these truths and they, these truths will be manifested in their life. But it won't happen by accident, and we understand that, Father. Therefore, we know, Father, we got to pick up the plow. We know that we have a part to play. For we will, if we will ever be 
a shining light in a dark world, we must pick up your word and speak your words of truth, your words of power, your love, your words of love, your words of mercy. And only then will your will be manifested in our lives and in, in the lives of those around us. Father, we just praise you and we worship you. So really right now, every person in here, including myself, we're at a time of decision. Now, whether you think it was a good sermon or a bad sermon, uh, you know what? That's really not the case. Because I have given you what the Word of God has said. And now, each and every person here has a choice to make. Either we will take the words that we've heard this morning from God's Word, I don't think I've embellished it at all this morning. I think I gave you the word just like I always do. I, think the, I don't think God needs no help. He's a powerful, mighty God without me elaborating and putting things into that aren't in there. I don't need to help him out. His word's strong. His word's powerful. But we all have a decision to make. If, are we going to act on these words? Are we going to try to focus on him and read two chapters a day? And put that word inside of us. And then when situations come up, we will have words to say. Life-filled words to speak out of our mouth. So I encourage you, make that decision today. Make the decision that you're not going to be the same way a week from now or a month from now the way you are today. Not that you're bad. Not that any of us are bad, but God wants us to get closer to Him. I missed that a few weeks ago. You know, God's up to He. God's moving. God, you know, you might, God might not be moving in your life, but if He's not, He wants to. But I tell you, all across this nation, God is moving. We've got a shot of, uh, we got that screenshot of the young people. Uh, a lot of the young people are gone. They're at, uh, they're at a belief, a belief uh, convention, I guess, or whatever you call it. Look at that. That's young people. I was able to talk to a man yesterday a uh, different man than I was telling you about earlier. And he went down to a, where was it? Was it Texas to a Greg Laurie event? Uh, which many of you know who Greg Laurie is. He's a, just a, really a powerful speaker and a speaker of God's word. And there was a stadium filled 60 plus thousand. Is that right? Maybe he said 80. The reason I'm kind of, I thought he said 60, but then we got to talking about the Cardinals and he said he is at a Cardinals game and there was like 40,000 there and he said it was like double what it was at a Cardinal station, stadium. They was there 60 or 80,000. You know, you get that high, it really don't matter, does it? And they was there to hear the word of God. You can't tell me God's, God's not dead. 
You know what? Number one or two, neither one of them. God's not dead. And we're not going to allow him to be dead, are we? Let that word swell up in you. Speak that word out. Let the word of God be guiding words in your life. If you have a prayer need, please come. Praise you, Lord. If you want to pray about making making the decision, making the, the confession, making the commitment to read the word of God and to implementing God's promises in your life, come forward. We'll pray with you. And yes, yes, it will help you. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.